Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hello, and thanks so much for joining me today. It is an exciting day as today is the kickoff of the 104th NFL season. And if you've seen the recent NFL script commercials, then you know the script is already written. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go on YouTube and search for NFL season script. What you'll find are these hilariously entertaining videos. Go check them out if you haven't seen them. And no, the script is not already written. And no matter what happens over the next few months, we know that we are going to be in for a great season of NFL football, as well as college football, too. As you know, I am currently in my podcast offseason. Now, I mentioned at the end of season four that I was going to be dropping some bonus episodes before season five, which, as a reminder, will happen the day after Super Bowl 59. So kickoff will be February 12th. Now, mark your calendars and better yet, Be sure to follow the podcast if you haven't already done so. That way you'll be in the know for when the next season starts. And also you'll know when my next bonus episode drops too. Two other things. If you enjoy these podcasts, make sure you're sharing the show with others. And lastly, do me a favor and let me know what you think of the show. Write a review on whatever platform you are listening to this show on. That would mean a lot to me. All right, for today's episode, I've got a great guest for you. Derek Burroughs has been around the sport of football for a long time. He was a cornerback who played college football at the University of Memphis, and Derek was drafted in the first round of the 1985 NFL draft as the 14th overall pick by the Buffalo Bills, where he played his entire five-season NFL career. Post his playing career, Derek has spent many years coaching across many levels of football, and today he serves as the Director of Athletics for Lane College. On today's episode, I start off my conversation with Derek discussing some things that I've never really talked about on the show in this way before, and no, I'm not going to tell you what that is. You got to go check it out. And throughout our conversation, Derek shares some very interesting perspectives, including talking about the preparedness of college players transitioning to the NFL and the business of the NFL. He also talks about the struggle of hanging up those NFL football cleats and his transition, where players can get into issues with social media, and he shares how he has served and continues to serve others over the years. I very much enjoyed my chat with Derek, and I know you will too. You ready? Have a listen to this episode. Derek, it is so great to have you on the show and inside the huddle with us today. Welcome. How are you doing? I am absolutely fine. Again, it's a pleasure that you would invite me on your show. You know, I've kind of kept up with you through on Facebook. We've never had a chance to actually physically talk. And so it's a pleasure meeting you. 
Well, I'm glad to have you on the show. And I know we're going to have a wonderful chat today. I wrapped up season four of the show, as my listeners know, earlier this year. And when I did that season finale, something that I mentioned was I was going to be dropping some other episodes before season five next year. And I've been doing a lot of thinking about what conversations do you want to have this off season? I'm someone that's who's very intentional and deliberate with what she does. And as you know, college football has started. The oh, NFL sure. season is just kicking off. And Derek, as you are someone who has been involved in the college level as a player and the NFL as a player, you've also had a very extensive coaching career across many different levels. And I just thought you would be someone who would bring some great perspectives. So I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. The real question question, though, before we get started, though, is are you ready to move the ball? I am. I am. All right. Let's do it. So as a podcast host, something that I think about a lot is where do I want to start off the conversation with my guests to set the tone? And with you, there are so many places I could go. But given that the NFL season kicks off today, I want to get your perspective on the last few months. And let me explain this a little more. So throughout the seasons of this podcast, I've had guys on the show who are playing in the league and they talk about their journey from combine training to being drafted to training camp, et cetera, getting ready for the season and the mental aspects of all that too. Now, as you know, the changes the NFL made this year with all the roster cuts, now it's going from 90 down to the 53-man roster, all happening essentially all at once. So on August 29th, what we saw was a little over 1,100 players, they lost their job, right? They were cut. And that day I posted on social media as a reminder to people that players are real people with real lives, real families, real emotions, real hopes, real dreams, and that people need to be mindful of that because I feel like so many people as fans, they lose sight of that fact, right? That pro athletes are people and this is their job and it's their livelihood. Now you were drafted first round by the Bills. Your first year in the league, I mean, you saw people get cut. Walk us through for you. Like, what was that for you emotionally to see your colleagues, your teammates, other DBs, guys you knew and guys that you had formed relationships with get cut after preseason before the season started? Yeah. Jen, I've been on a hundred podcasts and, and talk shows. No one has ever asked me that question. And to be honest, it was very personal for me because when you see your friends, guys that you're personally friends with, get approached by one of the coaches or one of the administrators and and say, bring your playbook. Everybody kind of knows what that means. And, you know, I never went through that, Jennifer. And to be honest, the thought of getting cut because I was a first round draft pick, it was never a thought to me to get cut. But I, I was very conscious of guys that I had made friends with. I watched them get cut. I watched grown men cry. So no one has ever asked me that question. And that's a side that a lot of fans don't know. It's so personal when those guys get cut and you see them crying. So that's got to be very emotional for them. I've never been through it personally, but I know it's got to be emotional. For sure. And the reason I wanted to ask it is I've never asked anybody that specifically on the show before, but I've been doing a lot of thinking as there was a time in my life that I was just a fan and I didn't know anybody in the industry or know much about the business side of the game. And as I've continued to grow and evolve with this move the ball movement, I've know so many people that when I look at them and I track the roster cuts and I looked and I saw the names and there were so many people that I knew that I had relationships with. And it's hard as a friend to see that and to imagine what they're going through. And obviously there's a chance to get picked up off the waiver wires and get on P squad and make moves, but you're still moving 
your life. Like it's very different to have a job in the corporate space and the next job might be just right down the road. You don't have to pick up your family and move. And I saw someone post too, a former player, talk about how players might get a chance on another team, but you've got to basically pack up your stuff in a few hours to go to a foreign city and just leave what you had there behind to go in the hopes of making a shot or getting a spot on another roster. It's a tough business. Yeah, it is. And I think you'll say players understand that. Not when they wake you up or come to your room and knock on your door and and say, hey, hey, Joe Blow, bring your playbook. Coach want to see you. So to act like it just happens. Yes, it, it just happens. But that's kind of a cavalier way of feeling about players losing their job, people losing their jobs. I always see people talk every day about people getting fired. He ought to be fired. He should lose his job. And I'm saying to myself, the same person you're saying should use a job. They got a wife, they got a family, they got kids. I would never say somebody needs to lose their job. But again, some people are, are so cruel, it doesn't even matter to them. So I do understand that part of it. Right. Yeah. There's either some people are so cruel or they have just lost sight of the human element. They see people who are public figures or celebrities or professional athletes, and they forget that those people are just like them with families and lives and dreams. And so that's why I really wanted to highlight this. And when I had posted, I posted on Facebook about just a reminder to people to to keep in mind that these young men are real people. And there were so many people that reached out to me and they're like, thank you so much for, and not athletes, just people that reached out and said, thank you so much for this reminder because people often lose sight of that. So I really just wanted to take a moment and talk about that today. Again, just as a reminder for people to be mindful of that fact. Something I'm also curious about from your perspective, given this change with all the players essentially getting cut after the preseason games are done. And yes, I mean, obviously someone can get way before the games too, but to get to that 53-man roster from 90, now all at once, do you think that it's easier or harder on a player with that change from a mental standpoint and the potential of you being cut? So before this year, right? Like you'd have cuts made after every preseason game and now it's all at the end. Do you think this change is easier from a mental side in processing through getting cut or it's harder for them? Well, I think it will probably be easier the old way rather than letting a guy get down to the last date and then say you're cut. There's 15, 20 guys now that's hoping and praying every night they go to their rooms that someone don't knock on their door. So I think it may be a little bit harder to wait to the last minute. Again, I've never been through it. I've never been cut before, but... If I was a player in that situation, if I'm not a part of the plan, let me know early. Don't let me wait until the last minute. So I guess given the latter, getting cut later, getting cut early, I rather, if I'm not part of the plan, I would rather just go ahead and, and go. For sure. That, that's a great point. Something else that I wanted to talk with you about. So you were a defensive back, played for the University of Memphis. Nowadays, players, I think, are more equipped to be prepared in terms of understanding the business side of yeah. the NFL and that the profession is not for long, right? That's what people say that right. the NFL stands for. How prepared were you and your fellow teammates when you got drafted on the bills and the guys that you knew across the league about this is a business and you could be here today and gone tomorrow or just how cutthroat and fast paced it can be? I wasn't prepared at all, Jennifer, to be honest. I had no real knowledge about finances, didn't understand very much. I had to rely on an agent to 
help me to understand, which I don't think agents, I, I don't think that they do a, a very good job of making players understand the true financial part of the business, to be honest. But I wasn't prepared. I remember the day I got drafted. I went from, and this is the honest truth, I went from having 15 cents in my pocket to the day I signed, I went from 15 cents to $1.7 million. And not understanding the financial part of it, I took my signing bonus and my base salary in the same year and got taxed on it all in the same year. But this is because my agent and my financial advisors wanted to get all their money up front. So I got taxed almost 50% of my base salary and my signing bonus because my agent and my financial advisor wanted to get all their money up front. So, and, and this this is nothing new. That's It's still happening today. And you bring up a good point. I mean, the understanding the tax consequences of yes. those decisions is just an example of one thing that players need to be mindful of. And if they're not educated on it, then there's obviously some, I don't say devastating consequences, but there's implications to yes. not understanding. But if I structure it a different way, then I can save some money from a tax standpoint. Absolutely. And I didn't know much I, at that time. I didn't know much about deferring money. My agent was totally adamant about me not deferring any money or whatever the case may be. And, and other people that was trying to help me that I did not listen to said, well, defer your money long term so you can have it when you're over. But my agent was totally against that. And he was totally against it because if I had deferred it again, he wouldn't have been able to get his 5% up front. Um, right. So uh, I wasn't prepared at all. I, I don't think these guys today are, are any more prepared. I think they're a little bit more prepared. I think the NFL has different symposiums out there to help players understand about finances. Today, uh, agents can't take all their, mo their money up front like they could back when I came out. So I changed my mind. I think they are a little bit more prepared than I was, but it was costly for me. And with the advent of NIL, I mean, NIL is still semi in its infancy. It's been around for two years now, and guys are thinking about how they can monetize their brand at the collegiate level and even in high school. How do you think that has helped guys to understand the business side of being an athlete and a football player and also that you know football isn't their identity it's what they do right. but now they need to think about the bigger picture and holistically how do they set themselves up to be successful as a business person well i think from my understanding that the major colleges has nil teams on campus to help players understand finances a little bit better so if they understand it on the college level a little bit better hopefully by the time they they get drafted or have an opportunity to play pro football, they would understand finances a little bit better. Like I said, again, the NFL has symposiums now to help players understand finances better. So I think the earlier, the better. And now if they're getting financial advice in college, that's a, that would be a great thing to prepare themselves in the NFL. Absolutely. And so you played with the Bills for your entire career. What were some of the things that you really liked as part of your NFL playing experience? And what are the, some of the things that you wish you had known or someone had educated you on outside of the finance piece about the business of the NFL? The one thing I absolutely loved was my bond I had with my teammates. And that was the one thing that I absolutely enjoyed. Nate Odoms, Daryl Talley, Cornelius Bennett, all those guys I played with on, on the defensive side of the ball, I enjoyed the bond that I had with those players. So the one thing, Jen, I wish I could do back over again 
and, and I often think about this today as a as a 60 year old. I wish I could have been a little more user friendly. Didn't totally understand the big picture, bit of a knucklehead. So if I had a chance to do it all back over again, I probably would have been a little bit more user friendly and learned to play the game a little bit better. And it's not that I didn't want to play it. I just didn't know how to do it, to be honest. And do you think that social media now, because obviously when you were playing, social media was not something that was around. And I feel like social media is good and bad in different senses. Good in the sense that there's access to information and all kinds of resources out there. Bad and you've got just more people that can put noise out there as well. And so do you think that social media helps players to better understand the business and be a better, well-rounded player, not from a, a talent standpoint, but just from everything else? Well, I, I personally think it depends on how you use social media. Some guys use it in a very positive way. But I think if you were a young, naive person like I was coming out of college and, and not having a lot of experience, I'm glad social media wasn't around when I came out to be to totally honest with you. But when you see guys going back and forth with people on social media, putting very personal information out on social media, battling with people out on social media. That's the part I I dislike. And I'm glad that that social media wasn't around because I would have probably been one of those people doing that very same thing. So if you're not mature enough to handle social media, it, it probably is a good idea that you didn't have it. But that's what today's environment centers themselves around social media. And it's a good thing if you know how to handle it. I don't think it's a good thing if you're a very temperamental person and if you can't take criticism just like you can't take when people say great things about you, everything is good. But when people say bad things about you, first thing you want to do is get on the media and tweet and and get the last word. And, And that never turns out to be a good idea. You bring up a great point because people have access to these platforms where if there is an event that happens, instead of being intentional and putting something purposeful out there that's of value, they just, it's a release, right? And they can just say whatever they want. And sometimes that can be detrimental to your brand because you're caught up in that moment instead of really thinking through like, oh, you know what? I should probably refrain from saying something right now. And, And, you know, very few athletes can do that. I mean, we all can hear great things about us. But we don't want to hear negative things about us. And and sometimes when we do, we want to we want to lash back. My mom used to say, sometimes you when you're mad, you make the best speeches you'll ever regret. Kind of live by that and learn not to respond when I'm mad. Very wise words. And yeah, I mean, I think too about social media is once you put it out there, it's always there, right? Someone will find it and it can come back to bite you and It could have been a very great speech, but one that puts you in a very negative light or something that you don't want. So that's a great point. I wouldn't have been able to handle that part of it at at that age. And I think it's a blessing that it wasn't there. I didn't have access to it. And you bring up a good point about being able to handle that at that age. And when you think of these many pro athletes are in the NFL space specifically are early to mid 20s. Some of them have some financial literacy, some not. So you shared earlier that you went from having 15 cents to quite a bit of money after you signed that contract. That's a new experience for some people as well, many people. So when you take all of that collectively, it's a lot for someone that's in their early 20s to manage and to have the maturity to do it all right. 
And you're absolutely right. And if I could get off just for a minute, you know, when there's so much negativity out there, including social media, but it's so disappointing to hear commentators just drag players through the mud and under the umbrella of I'm just doing my job. And you expect the player not to get emotional and not to want to respond. And, and when I say that, I love watching football. I'm an NBA fan, but I just hate to hear the old Charles Barkley and, and Shaq and, and, and those guys drag current players through the mud. Charles Barkley was a great player, but all, all the NBA players aren't great. Shaq was a great player. That's why they got the name great in front of their names. They were great. Don't expect everybody to be like you. Don't expect everybody to do what you would do. It's disappointing to hear commentators drag players through the mud and expect them not to say nothing back. And then that's where it gets dirty because they would say something and then they, they respond. And the comment about Tua a couple of weeks ago, we can be better. We can be better people. We can be better commentators because you're a commentator. That didn't give you the, that didn't give you carte blanche to drag players through the mud under the circumstances of I'm just doing my job. That's unfair. For sure. Completely agree. Now, we talked earlier about how I mentioned the NFL stands for not for long. And you you played a number of years with the Bills, your entire career there. And oftentimes, a lot of players don't expect to leave and hang up those football cleats for the last time in the NFL on their terms or the way that they want, right? That you get cut, you get injured, something happens, whatever it is. So walk us through what was your transition like out of the league? It was hard for me. I I don't know if you know, Jennifer, but I think it was a a Thursday night football game. We were playing against Houston. I came up to make a routine tackle. And I ducked my head too low and I broke my neck. That was the end of my career. So when you're talking about transition, I I mean, I wasn't even close to being ready to stop playing. And two, my transition was hard. If you can remember, the Bills went to four straight Super Bowls. I was there for the first one, but that was the year I got hurt. So they went to three. They went to that year, Super Bowl, and three after that. So I had to sit there and mentally watch my teammates go to Super Bowl without me. And mentally, that got very hard for me. So much so that I got up one morning to and I went to the bathroom, brushed my teeth, washed my face. I'm getting ready to go to practice. I grabbed my keys and walked out the door and realized I had retired two years ago. That's how mentally bad it got for me. Watching Bills go to three straight Super Bowls without me. At that point, I decided to seek some medical attention because I knew I was getting pretty bad. And that kind of helped turn things around. Yeah, and what advice, but we do have people that listen to the show that have played in the league or on the bubble that have recently been caught. What are some things that you would say to them to kind of help them process through? And it might not be the end of their career for them just yet either, but even through this time where it might be a little bit more mentally taxing or challenging, just trying to figure out what's next. What would you say to them? The, the good thing is there there's other leagues now, right now, like the, the USFL and the XFL that they can continue if they're serious about their craft. And back back when I came out, I think that was the first coming of the United States Football League. So 
there's alternative leagues, at least that they can have an opportunity to keep playing. And because to be honest, you know, I, I tell our players when I, I'm here at a college now as an athletic director, but I, I, I coach 28 years, but I tell all our players all the time, give everything you got because the day you take off that helmet for good, you'll never put it on again. So you, you enjoy it and players want to, you know, the players want to continue their careers and you, you can't blame them. And the good thing is there's other leagues out there now that I'm hoping that survive so it can give players other opportunities to continue to play their, you know, play um, the game they love, they love, and then hopefully they'll they'll get another shot in NFL. You bring up a great point with these other leagues that are out there, the USFL, the XFL. It's a great opportunity for guys to well, one, to continue to play, two, to get a shot, get some extra film, potentially have an opportunity to get to the NFL or get back to the NFL. And so it's interesting to see these leagues. And to your point, I do hope that they continue. As you know, it's tough to have a new football league. One, it's hard to kick it off. Two, it's hard to sustain to see them, both the USFL and the XFL, doing well so far is good. And hopefully they'll continue to grow. And we've seen a number of players get opportunities to get on an NFL roster. Some have made it to the 53-man roster, but they started as a USFL player or an XFL player, too. So let's talk about your coaching career. You've had a very extensive time coaching. How did you get into it? So you've hung up the cleats. There was some struggles watching your teammates go. How did you decide, you know what? I think I'm going to pursue coaching. That's how it kind of happened. I was mentally in a bad place. And I I said to myself, Derek, what is it that you want to do with the rest of your life? And disregard money. Take money out of the equation. What is it that you want to do? And it was coaching. I decided that I wanted to coach. And my, my first coaching job was little league ten year olds, believe it or not. So that was my first coaching job years ago. I coached the little league ten year olds. Twenty eight years later, I'm here as an athletic director. So let's talk about that a little bit more because one of the things that I like about the show is having this podcast. It gives me the ability to do a few things: one, to inspire and bring positive energy and perspectives into the world, but also it allows me to ask questions to give people like tactical, actionable things that they can do to be able to move the ball and get to where they want to go. So when mm-hmm. it comes to coaching specifically, when you look back across your career, what are some of the things that you did? or that you wish you had have done that you would pass on to somebody who is considering coaching, whether they've been a former player or they've just been around sports or interested. And so maybe they didn't play at the NFL level, but they're interested in pursuing coaching. What are some things that you would tell people to do? Well, take a general interest in the kids first. Take a true and, and real interest in the kids you coach, no matter what age they are, because kids see through you real quick. We have a, a saying in coaching that uh, players don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So you can't hide it. They know how you they know how you feel. They know whether you care, whether you don't care. So take a general interest in the kids and don't let it just be about football, X's and O's. I tell our coaches all the time that if, if our kids and I'm at a small HBCU school, 90 percent financial aid, 90 percent single parent homes. If your kids have not come to you with anything personal, then you're missing the mark. It can't ever be about just X's and O's to kids. 
you got to develop personal relationships with children. Definitely. Absolutely. And as a coach, you have a huge ability to make a positive impact holistically across a kid's life. It's not just about the football field. It's about everything else, too. Absolutely. It's not. Again, a lot of the coaches here at Lane College, I mean, we're the only fathers a lot of these kids know. So it can't be just about X's and O's. It's got to be about developing personal relationships and you're substituting for being that positive male figure in their life. For sure. Something that I say on the show a lot is being able to move the ball when it comes to your career specifically is all about differentiation and separation. And what I mean by that is differentiation in terms of what other value or differentiated value are you bringing to be able to contribute to the team or to the organization that you're a part of so that people want you to be there? And then separation in terms of what are the things that you're doing in your career to really set yourself apart? When you look across your coaching career, what are some of the things that you have done really well that has helped you to be involved in all the different coaching positions that you've had. I mean, in in multiple HBCUs, Jackson State, Alabama State, professionally, like what Mm -hmm. are things that you've done to differentiate yourself? Well, for the one thing I've done and we've done here at Lane College over the past, I've been here 12 years, 10 of those 12 years amongst student athletes, we have a 70% graduation rate. We put student success initiatives in place to ensure that our student athletes are graduating from college. And I ask our coaches all the time, what are we doing personally to make sure that your student athletes are, are successful off the field? We, we institute student study hall sessions that our coaches are involved in. Any student athlete with a B average or higher is exempted from those study hall sessions. We have tutoring sessions for math, English, and sciences with our student athletes. We have to, because we're such a small school, we have to engage in our student athletes personally in their personal life to ensure that they're successful on the football field, in the classroom, and hopefully that will transition to their personal life. Well, I think that's great because, as you know, I mean, it's not just about the football field, right? I mean, kids, whether they go to the NFL or not, there's going to be a lot longer time period that you've got to build out a successful career and helping them to put the right things in place to achieve that is so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why we make sure we have our student success initiatives in place. And we're not doing it through the uh, the Department of Academics. We're not doing it through the academic department. We're doing it through the athletic department. I'm proud of our athletic department. This year, we had 107 kids within our athletic department to have a B average or above. We only have 275 student athletes here and 107 of those have a B average and above. We're proud of the job that we're doing with our student athletes. We're proud of the graduation rate over the past 10 years that we have with our student athletes. Even though we don't have the resources that other schools have, we're still being very competitive on the football field and on the courts. We have nowhere to go but up. So I'm I'm proud of our kids and all the effort they give us. That's a great accomplishment to be proud of. And I know you're going to continue to help them to move the ball. And something I always say is moving the ball is not just about what you do. It's about how you impact others, inspire them to do great things too. And something else that you are doing many years ago, you started a nonprofit organization, Icon Sports. You're still active in it today. Tell us a little bit about what prompted you to create the organization and what are you focused on? 
Well, for the same reasons, Jim, we're talking about today, they could assist youth in being successful. And it actually, Icon Sports actually started 1985 with myself and some former or current NFL players. And we started doing inner city youth football camps in Mobile, Alabama. And it wasn't just about football. We had gang violence, AIDS, AIDS prevention. Not back then, I think it wasn't AIDS prevention, but we do it now. We had AIDS, AIDS prevention, gun violence, gang violence. So we we mixed all the social issues in with football. So the kids got athletics and they got all the social issues and social problems that we thought that they would be facing also. Still today, we're still involved. Icon Sports still exists. I don't have as many football camps as I, I used to because of my obligation to Lane College. But I'm doing the same thing. I'm just doing it with our own kids. Icon Sports has been a great nonprofit organization for a long time. I'm proud of what we've done. Well, kudos to you and the entire team that have done all the great things over the years to make an impact. And it's not about the number of events that you have. It's really about giving whatever time that you can to serve others in whatever capacity that might look like, whether it's through the nonprofit or just through other work activities or things that you're doing. And so I think you're doing a fantastic job just really making a difference for so many people. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So we're going to take a very quick break, Derek. And when we come back, I'm going to take you through my two-minute drill, and we're going to have some fun questions that we're going to go through. We'll be right back. Hey, have you moved the ball in your own life today? If you're working toward your dream job, a new personal record, or a bigger salary, you need a plan to consistently make progress. That's why I wrote Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. These books are packed with strategy and easy-to-implement tips on gaining clarity of your goals, developing your own personalized playbook for success, pushing your boundaries of comfortability, and really elevating and dominating. Go to www.dominateandmove.com and enter code DOMINATE2023 for a 20% discount on the bundle. And all books are signed copies as well. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, Derek, we're back. Are you ready to have some more fun? Because we're already having fun, but we're going to have a little bit more. Yes, do it. All right, here we go. So the first question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? You know, you you hear the passion in my voice when I talk about our children. I told you I'm, I'm the athletic director here at Lane College. We're, we're a small HBCU school here in Jackson, Tennessee. The passion I have for our kids is the same passion I had when I played. But the three words I would use is passion because I have so much passion for kids that grew up just like me. Caring. We have to show our children that we we truly and honestly care about them, regardless of football and spiritual. I, I think I'm a lot more spiritual than most people t- probably think I am. <laughs> okay, great three words. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? I think I'm all, so often misunderstood, be it my facial expression or be it my, I'm really, I think I'm really a nice guy, but I guess I just don't look like I am. I think most people don't know. I'm really a nice guy. Sometimes I wear the feelings that I'm feeling in out on my face, but I'm, I think I'm a very approachable guy. I just sometimes I think I'm just so often misunderstood. Okay. Would mm-hmm. you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion dollar company and why? You know, I thought about that. It, it has never been a big thing to me to be noticed for being in the public eye. Some athletes need that. That's never my thing. Definitely CEO of a company. You know, I mean, unless you're Michael Jordan or Shaq or, you know, 
I mean, if you're just an average athlete like myself, there's very few places I can go with, with that people still recognize me. Being uh, a CEO of a multi-million dollar company, would, that ain't even on the same level. Definitely CEO. Okay. And we're talking about billion dollar company here too. So that's big time for sure. Yeah. Billion dollar, billion dollar, either one. I, I've never been a, a guy that needed the limelight. Sure. Next question is, what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Well, I, I rarely listen to podcasts. So the last book I read, it was a book by Richard Leonard. I think it was fundraising through athletics, fundraising for athletics. Of, of course, I'm at a small HBCU school, and we're always trying to figure out what we can do to raise funds to help support our, our different athletic programs. So I'm always trying to figure out different fundraising ideas. So I, I read this book about from uh, Richard Leonard about increasing fundraising and fundraising through athletics sports. So that was the last book I read. Gave me some great ideas too on, on how we can fundraise, some additional ideas on how to fundraise here. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's fundraising is a very important activity. So I'm glad you were able to get some good nuggets out of it. If you could have any song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? I was always a big Journey fan. So don't stop believing it's a classic. Uh, yeah, it's a classic. I, I, you know, every time I hear that song, man, it's like it's like I'm ready to go all back over again. <laughs> it is a good one. Yeah. What would your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed? Part of my job is to raise funds. Yeah, even with Icon Sports, it was raising funds. So planning, fundraising, live entertainment. I used to years ago. I used to own a live entertainment venue, and I always kind of wanted to do it again. So. I would be a live entertainment promoter. Okay, nice. Yeah, that would be my next deal. All right. You have 24 hours and a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going? Cairo, Egypt. Oh. You know, sometimes when I'm so entombed into the History Channel and I'm so fascinated about Cairo, Egypt and Egyptian history and Tutankhamun and, you know, Nefertiti and Tai and Akhenaten. So I, sometimes I think that I'm living my second life because I'm. I, where does a guy from Mobile, Alabama, why is he so interested in ancient Egyptian history? Sometimes I think I've lived another life. So my interest in Egyptian history is off the charts. So I want to go to Egypt. I want to go to Cairo. I want to, I want to know more about ancient Egypt. Sounds like a great place to go and a good reason to why you want to go there. So yeah. the bonus question, Derek, is M&M's, plain or peanut? Definitely peanut. I think I've eaten plain once or twice. So no, I don't want to eat them again. Definitely <laughs> peanut. Yeah. I gotcha. Okay. So as we look to close our show, Derek, any last thoughts for our listeners? And also let people know about your social presence, where you at, where can people keep up with you, where can people learn more about Lane College, all of that stuff. In terms of Lane College, you can go to www.lanecollege.edu or you can go to our athletic page, golcdragons.com. I'm not a big social media person other than Facebook. I, I, I do have a LinkedIn account, but other than Facebook, I don't have Twitter. I don't know what IG is. And I've never been to that and all that. I don't have Twitter or anything like that. I prefer to stay off that coast. <laughs> you know, I don't have to go back and forth with people on Facebook, Twitter, or any other social media. So, so I have a social media account, Facebook, but that's about and, and LinkedIn, but that's really about it. Okay. And you made me think about this. And I guess I'll share this on the show before we 
Rab, so I, I am very active on social media, as you know, as someone that has a brand and that's a business owner, it's kind of important to be on those platforms for those yeah. for obvious yeah. reasons. And so I posted something on LinkedIn. This is a few weeks ago now, and it was about leadership. And I talked about this, what great leaders are and how throughout my career working in Fortune 50 companies and being an army judge advocate, right. I've been able to be around some really great leaders. And then I also talked about on the show, sometimes I'll do these solo episodes where I'll just share some nuggets, things that I think about or my perspectives. I talked about on one episode, seven ways to motivate others. So in this post, I wrote about, hey, if you're thinking about being a better leader and want to know how you can motivate other people, go check out this episode. And I had lots of people that wrote great posts, blah, blah, blah. But there were a couple of people that were the haters. And I had somebody comment about how he didn't like the quote that I had used in the post. And that's totally fine. I mean, we all have different opinions and we should be able to voice those in a respectful manner, right? As professionals, right. as adults. But then he went to personally attack me right. as well and talked about how the picture that I chose to post, which was a picture of me because... Right on social media, posts with pictures, get more engagement. So I had a picture and it was me in my car, which is a Tesla. And he he said, you know, I don't even know posting like a wannabe LinkedIn influencer with a common car is the right look for you and just continued on. And there were over 50 people. This was an executive level LinkedIn group on a post about leadership, liked his comment. And I was just like, Really, all of you professionals out there that are publicly liking somebody who is tearing down another individual, posting about leadership, it was interesting. And I'm always someone who's going to take the high road. So I responded in a very polite and respectful way. But it was just interesting to see. But you could easily go back and forth, back and forth and, and spend so much time. So I get why not being on social media is something yeah. that you're focused on. Yeah, interesting. Jen, I totally get it. What you do for a living or what you do every day is kind of hard to do without social media. But social media is very cool. You're talking about just making comments. If something tragic can actually happen and then you see it as a meme or a joke on social media the next day, somebody's going to find humor in tragedy. It's hard to say don't take it personal, but when you deal with social media, you got to take the good with the bad. You got to take the crazies with the with the likes. So that's just part of social media. But if you try to respond to everybody that dislike your comment or Everybody that 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 don't agree, you know, don't like the kind of car you drive or don't like what you say. It's too hard to deal with. That's why I don't get into going back and forth with people on social media. It's cruel, but it's it's a necessity. And I totally we, we understand that today. For sure. And just to tie it back to what you brought up earlier in the show about how players, how they get people or have these negative comments or they criticize them and they can be not nice in their words. It's hard to be someone that's in the public eye to refrain from wanting to engage because you feel like you have to defend yourself. Right. That's human nature, Jen, that particularly you put something out there not meaning any harm by anything and and people don't respond in the most positive way. Guys are out there in the NBA doing the best they can. It might not be to the standards of Barkley or may not be to the standards of Shaq because they were great ones. Yeah, I wouldn't expect JaVale McGee to play like Shaq. 
I wouldn't expect him to play like Charles Barkley played. That's why they were great. But I just wish that we cut each other a little bit more slack on social media and, and not so critical and, and so harsh and so personal. You know, these guys got families. You too. I, I can imagine you have a family. Yep. Uh, but social media is cruel. Right. So the takeaway for people listening is before you comment and post, just make sure you're considering there's a human being that reads that post too. And so we're all people at the end of the day and we should come back to being human. So to round it off on a positive note, just make sure you're putting positive energy out there and not engaging and being a part of the noise. Well, Derek, thank you so much for being on the show today. It has been a true pleasure having you on. Thank you very much. I enjoy your post on Facebook and keep doing what you're doing, no matter whether people like it or not. You know, you do your thing and don't be discouraged. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And my listeners know that I have my second book released last year, which was called Dominate the Game, How Life Changes When You Show Up. And in that book, there is a chapter. It's called With or Without You is the chapter. And it's a reminder for people to remember that you know you got to keep going with or without people being on the journey with you. Sometimes you have to walk it alone. Sometimes people aren't going to see the value. But if you have a passion for something and you believe in yourself, then you got to just keep going and you will move the ball and you'll get to where you want to go with or without those people. Thank you very much. I appreciate you allowing me to be on your show. Thank you, Derek. And thanks so much to everyone for listening to this episode. Really appreciate you guys checking in and there'll be a couple more bonus pieces before season five. So stay tuned for those. And once again, if you haven't already done so, hit that follow button so that you will be in the know for those future episodes. And also do me a favor and share the show with some friends too. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. All right, everybody, we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up you show up and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you were inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also share the show with a few friends too. Next, I want you to go to getinsidethehuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.